Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spirit Alive Network, Pellet Tuesdays with your host, Lester Carver. Today we're going to be discussing patience, purpose, and pride. But before we get started, I'd like to open with a word of prayer and a song of just a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your word that you've given us, God, that we might not sin against you, God, but that we can stand on the promises of your word, God. We praise you. We magnify you. We lift you up, God. Father, there is no other like you in heaven or earth or under the earth, God. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for how you have called us before the foundation of the world to be your children, God. We thank you for how you have placed your Holy Spirit within us so that we can fulfill your purposes in the earth, God, that you've given us, that you will dwell with us and we will dwell with you for eternity and harmony in the place that your Son, Jesus Christ, is preparing for us right now. I thank you for this right now. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Well, today we're going to be talking about developing your patience and realizing your purpose. It's going to be a blessing to you, mainly because we are going to be talking about what you actually can do to develop this fruit of the Spirit in your life so that you don't allow the devil to talk you out of the work that God has already completed in your life or the work that God is about to begin in your life or talk you out of the work that God is in the process of doing in remaining of your life, but it's the devil's job to try to get you to quit, to try to get you to give up, to get you to throw in the towel and say, I just can't do this. And what God is asking you to do is to acknowledge, yeah, you just can't do this on your own. And that's exactly why God is not asking you to do it on your own. He's placed his power, the Holy Spirit, within you so that he makes sure that the job will get done through the power of his Holy Spirit within you, in you, that is able to do everything that you by yourself are not able to do. When you stand on that power, when you rely on that power, when you trust in that power, then you are able to progress and move forward boldly in all that God has given you to do. But it's going to require you operating at a level of patience that allows you to be available for God, allows you to be prepared to allow God to use you when he sees fit, to allow God to remove you from trying circumstances, In his time, when the work is complete, when you are ready to move from one level to another level to another level. See, 
when one is preparing a meal or building a building or doing anything that is significant, you must take the time to do things correctly and do things in order for them to be the best on the range for the appropriate amount of time then it will not be done. It will not be finished. It's going to make somebody sick, or it's just not going to taste the best. And God is trying to develop in each one of us the fruit of the Spirit that is called patience. See, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, kindness, patience, faithfulness, and self-control. The one we're focused on right now is patience because where are you down? If the devil can exhaust you and make it so that you no longer are prepared to wait for God, then he can have his way with you, more or less, <laughs> because time is long and the devil's patient. But if you allow God to have his perfect and complete work in you, and you say, not my will, but thy will be done, O Lord, right? Then what happens is when God decides that he is going to bless you, he is going to elevate you, he is going to promote you, then you are in the proper place you're in the proper position for God to get glory from your life by glorifying you. It says that we will share in the glory with God as we trust him, as we serve him, as we please him, as we operate in absolute faith. That's where we to believe to get to in our minds so that we do not doubt God. We don't worry about things that are beyond our control because we know that God has all power and that God is present everywhere and that God knows everything. So if we serve a God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, and present everywhere, then we should act like that. We should know that God is in the present and in the future. He is the only being who exists in all three dimensions of time with full knowledge of all three dimensions of time. And what that means is that the path that he has charted out for us, the path that he has prepared for us, the steps that he has ordered by going before us, our steps that are sure, our steps that are certain, our steps that we can be secure in because we trust God. And if this is his work, if this is his plan, we know that his plan is perfect because he said it is in his word, simply for us to trust him. One of the ways that we trust God is by learning to wait. I want to read what it says here in Isaiah. In, the, in chapter 4, in verse 31, it says, you know what? 
actually I'm going to go back to verse 30, where it says, well, I'm going to go back a little further. Look at what it says in verse 27. Uh, it says, why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care about what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God laughs. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath, and he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But to those who wait upon God, those who wait upon God, fresh strength, they spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. See, we are in that position. We are those who learn to wait upon God so that we can have our strength renewed. We can allow our wings to spread and soar like eagles' wings. And and you know what's important about that? There's a difference that in the way that an eagle soars and your average bird flies. Your average bird flies on its own strength by flapping so many so many times per second and elevating to a certain height. But it's the design of the eagle's feathers that allow it to ascend to a certain height and allow it to soar in a certain way. And that sets the eagle apart from most birds. But for us, it says when we run. And we walk, but we don't lag behind. And we need to learn to wait on God so that we understand it's God who supplies our strength. God is our source. God is our resource. And because all power is his, when we need power, he gives us power. When we need rest, he gives us rest. And we as God's people have to learn that there is a time to run, there's a time to fight, there's a time to hide, there's a time to rest. And the trap that many of us fall into is believing that only one response is the way to live. So some people always run. Some people always fight. Some people always hide. Some people always rest. Instead of asking God, do you need me to do now, Lord? Do you need me to run? I'll run. Do you need me to hide? I'll hide. Do you need me to fight? I'll fight. Do you need me to rest? I'll rest. And then do whatever God has given you to do. One of the reasons why it's important that we learn to have patience is so that we can walk in our purpose. If we don't learn 
to wait on God, then we are tempted to do what the world does and make things happen. Have you ever heard the saying in the world where they say there are people who make things happen, there are people who watch things happen, and there are people who ask what happened? So the world would tell you be among those people who make things happen. My admonition to you is whatever you make happen, go to God first and make sure that what you are in the process of making happen is in agreement with what God has ordained to happen. Otherwise, you can find yourself because whatever you're doing is going to come to God. It is going to be unfruitful and unproductive. But because God has given us patience, we learn to wait on him. And he tells us when to run. He tells us when to fight. He tells us when to hide. He tells us when to wet, when to rest. And look at why it's important to learn the truth. It says here in Psalm 75, 6 and 7, it also says something similar in First Peter 5, 6. Promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He put it down one and set up, set it up another. So it is God who promotes. And you'll notice about this verse here that it says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the south. It omits the north because God is referred to as the God of the north. And you'll see this is in the scripture. And you'll see how all that If you look at a map, north is always up. (laughs) So if you ever start reading a map, look at the direction of the text. North is up. That is one of the ways that we, we do things. And it's because of this. But it says God is the one who promotes. And he puts one up, set us up another. He put us one down and set us another up in the place of the one that God removed from. And when we humbly submit ourselves to the patience, and patiently, (laughs) humbly submit ourselves to the purpose of God, then we are prepared to be used by God. I want to share with you something from the book of Romans. And I'm going to be reading out of the message Bible tonight, we're going to be reading where God is going to share with us the need to develop patience in our life. In verse 1 of chapter 5 in the book of Romans, it says, by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master, Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall 
and shouting our praise. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. See what this says? Troubles can develop passionate patience in us. It's patience with a purpose, and that purpose is rooted in the promise of God's word. So see what it says. We know that troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. An alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. So, Basically, we are preparing ourselves for the blessings of God when we learn to glory in tribulation. But we do this because we know that tribulation, troubles, are God's way of getting us more patience, more experience, and more hope in order to prepare us to receive God's awesome blessings. Look at what it says here in verse 6. It says, Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. We talk about anybody making things happen. Jesus Christ (laughs) is the all-time individual who made things happen in a way that transformed everything. If you want to pay attention to people making things happen, Look at what it says here in verse 6 of Romans chapter 5. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't just wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for his sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could, could inspire us to selflessly sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use to him whatsoever. Now that we are set right with God, By means of the sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there is no longer any question of being at odds with God in any way. If when when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by sacrificial death of his son, now that we're at our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by, by means of his resurrection life. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, we are no longer content to simply say and say it in plotting prose. We sing and shout our praises to God through Jesus, the Messiah. We have to get to the point where we are in a place where God is first in our life. 
where we understand that the position that we're in was not created by anything that we did, but by God's grace and mercy through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. When God saw that he would dwell with man and man would dwell with him. And God determined that no one would stop or prevent his purposes from coming to pass. So when we look at the promises of God and the word of God, what we have to do is stand in that place of confidence and say, you know what? I am not where God has told me he is going to bring me, but I certainly am not where I was before, and I am not going to allow the devil to talk me out of what God has already placed within me, what God has already done in my life to draw me toward him, and I am going to glorify God by receiving all of his grace and mercy, which is new to me each and every day, and operating in that no matter what happened yesterday without concern whatsoever about what might happen tomorrow if tomorrow even comes. But I'm going to dwell within this 24-hour period of God's grace and mercy today, and I'm going to allow God to bless me with as many blessings as he sees fit so that I can bless others generously, deliberately, willingly, and stand on the promises of God, knowing that God cannot lie. God cannot go back on his word. God is committed to my success because my success, when I'm in in agreement with the purposes of God and God's word, my success is God's success. So everything that God gives me to do must get done. So God is going to make a way for those things to happen. We have to stand on that promise. We have to believe that. But it's going to take developing patience through matured discipline. And that discipline has to be that we study God's word so that we know that God has ordained trouble as one of those ways of getting us more patience, more experience, and more hope so that we are not disappointed in our expectations, so that we are in agreement that what God promised will ha- promise would happen will happen. And when we are in agreement with God, then you'll see the joy in your life increase. You'll see the blessings of God abound to you. You'll see consistency in the way that you relate to God in the good, the great, the bad, and the ugly, because it won't matter what the circumstances are saying. It won't matter what the circumstances suggest. You will know that you are in the place that God needs you to be in. And as you ask God for direction, as you allow the Holy Spirit to inform you, when it's time to run, when it's time to fight, when it's time to hide, when it's time to rest, you are going to be a force to be reckoned with. 
you are going to have to be considered by all those that God has you dealing with because they are not going to be dealing with you. They're going to be dealing with the Christ in you. They're going to be dealing with the power of the Holy Spirit within you because you are going to allow that power to operate in your life and permeate every aspect of your life. And then those that you come in contact with are going to be blessed because of your life. Your life represents the increase to people who do not yet know God the way that you know God. Your life represents the purpose and the restoration and the lives of other people who have not considered what it means to have a heavenly father who is all-knowing, all-powerful, and present everywhere. Some people, the only point of reference they have for a father is one of the worst examples of manhood on the earth. And they have to get past that because if you had an awful earthly father, the idea of having a heavenly father doesn't really inspire you or impress you or lead you to want to seek that out because you spent your whole life trying to get away from anything that sounds like a father because your earthly example of a father was a fool. And God wants to undo that damage in your life. God wants to dismantle that dysfunction that has put you in a place of running away from covering that a father provides. A father is to be a place of security, a place of stability. And it's going to require patience on your part so that you learn to wait upon God's purpose in your life so that you can learn. You can learn that God's promises are true. You can study and apply God's word in such a way that it won't matter what the circumstances say or suggest because you know that God promises that you will prevail. Talk about the tactics of the devil. One of the tactics is to use your impatience to get you to move when you should stand still and to stand still when you should run. (laughs) And that's why it's important for us to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit so that we know when it's time to run. We know when it's time to hide. We know when it's time to fight. We know when it's time to rest. If we look at the scriptures and the gospels, you will see Jesus Christ do all four of those things. You'll see him run. You'll see him hide. You'll see him fight. You'll see him rest. And that means that there is a time and a place for each of those things. There is a time for each of those things. But how we know when it's time is by the leading of the Holy Spirit. That means we have to ask God. One of the greatest examples of this is in the Old Testament, where King David, before he went into battle, 
he would inquire of the Lord. Have you given us the battle? And he would receive and listen to the direction from God. And when you know God has given you the battle, all you have to do is fight when God says fight. Affects the way that you fight. If somebody told you that you need to play this game of chess, but you're already going to win. I just need you to play this game. And they had that kind of knowledge of the future, which no one has that knowledge except God. And God told you, I need you to play this game of chess, but you're going to win. It should affect the way that you're playing the game because you're really playing it on behalf of the one who told you the game is yours, right? The victory is yours. The question is whether we believe. Our belief is evident in our actions. It is not enough to say, I believe, Lord, I believe, and then run around like a chicken with a head cut off every time something bad happens, every time something trying happens, every time somebody threatens us with peril or embarrassment or persecution, or pain, or punishment, or anything detrimental or negative, right? The question is, are any of those trials and tribulations bigger than our God? And the answer is no. And if we know and believe that, then we have to stand on the promises of God and his word and let God get glory from us standing still when God says stand still, Running when God says run, hiding when God says hide, fighting when God says fighting, when God says rest. And God says that those who do not believe will not enter into his rest because of their unbelief. When you actually believe, then you'll know how to wait on the Lord. And waiting on God is absolutely required if you're going to be blessed by God. If you're going to be blessed by God, you're going to have to learn to wait on the Lord because God is dealing with more things than the one item you may be looking at today. God is doing a complete and perfect work in each and every one of us. And that type of comprehensive work requires many pieces to move into position at a specific time for a specific purpose, and it has to be well-coordinated with many things, and only God can do that. And the other thing that we have to be aware of is we don't know all that God is accomplishing through what we're doing because God is in charge. He's doing multiple things at one time. And all we are aware of or concerned about oftentimes are those things that immediately impact us. And when we trust God, then it's easier for us to learn to wait on the Lord because we know God showed up in the past. 
God's going to show up in the future. God is true to his word. God cannot lie. God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that we could live life and live life more than abundantly. We know that God has called us to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. We know that God has power, a spirit of love, and a sound mind. And we know that God is the one who says he has made us more than conquerors. He's called us to be victorious in all things. And that he is going to allow us to experience life. We are going to experience all things that are common to man and be afflicted with all kinds of temptations. But God promises that the temptations that he allows to come our way have to get past his protected hedge. God says he's not going to allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able to endure. And it says that with the temptation, God is going to make a way of escape. We have to believe that. And so when you know the word of God, when you know those promises from God, then you learn to trust God in such a way that when God says stand still and the circumstances say you better run, you learn to obey God and stand still. One of the reasons you need to learn how to do that is because the devil doesn't have foreknowledge. He doesn't know what's going to happen in the future, but God does. But the devil can see a blessing being directed to you. He can see the transport of something that is not with you to a given place. But if the devil can scare you and convince you to run when God says stay, and you are not in the place you should be at the moment that your blessing arrives, then you're not going to be where you need to be to receive the deliverance you say that you want because you did not ask God, do I stay, do I stand my ground, or do I run, or do I fight, or do I hide? And if God says, stay, put, rest, stay right where you are, it doesn't matter how crazy things look, it doesn't matter how threatening things are, you stay put. But when God says, run, and it looks like you should not run, the circumstances say you should stay still. But God says, I want you to run then what you need to do is run because God has gone before you and says, I need you to receive a pass football game. And the wide receiver is running, and the quarterback is going to throw to that receiver. And God needs you to be in a specific place at a specific time so that you can get to the goal line, right? This is how God coordinates, and that's why we need to learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit. 
That's why we need to build up our inner man so that we are feeding our feeding our spirit and our soul is edified. Our soul is connected to a strengthened spirit because we are praying, we are fasting, we are studying God's word, we are in fellowship with like-minded believers. We are manifesting and operating the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. But when we cater to the will of the flesh, when we give in to doubt, worry, and fear, when we are constantly pacifying ourselves with those things that take the edge off of the current stress of the day, right? Instead of allowing the pain have a complete and perfect work of allowing us to reflect, allowing us to heal, allowing us to know when we're ready to be restored, right? I know when um people are exercising, they are actually breaking down their muscles. And when you're breaking down your muscles, those it it is really the process of those muscles being built back up that increases the strength to your body, makes it more difficult for you to experience injury. And so you really are protecting yourself from greater pain and greater risk of injury by experiencing temporary pain during the course of exercising. And there's a degree of discipline that's required in order to push yourself to endure pain, right? Some people would tell you that waiting is painful, right? Did we read earlier in Isaiah 40, 31, it says, those who wait on the Lord will mount up with eagles, they shall run, They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, right? We have to learn to wait on God. And look at what it says here in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. God says when we trust in him with all of our heart and we don't lean to our own understanding, what it's literally saying is reject your own understanding of the situation. It says in all of your ways, when you acknowledge God, God will direct your path. Who better to have directing your paths than the one who knows the past, the present, and the future, the one who has all power? the one who is present everywhere, and the one who knows everything, right? I can't think of a better person to place my trust in. And honestly, God is not a person. He's a spirit. So I can't think of a better being to place my trust in so that I know that what I do for God is Going, I know that I can trust in the Lord 
by patiently waiting on God and understanding that his purpose in my life is going to be fulfilled and his promises and his word are true because God doesn't lie. God can't lie. God will not lie. God is going to be glorified in all things as we trust him, as we wait on him, as we refuse to lean to our own understanding and we allow God to have his complete and perfect work in our life, to have his way in our life. I want to encourage each and every one of you tonight to allow God to be your strong tower, but then commit yourself to remove the strongholds of impatience from your life, the strongholds of unforgiveness from your life, the strongholds of simply disobeying God and not believing the promises in God's word because God says he wants to be your strong tower. He wants to be your refuge. And when you allow God to be your refuge, you allow God to be your strong tower, then doubt, worry, fear, unbelief are removed from you so that you can adequately represent God in the earth. God can get glory from your life when you learn all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. God needs you to embrace the fullness of his promise and know that he has made you worthy. We have to acknowledge God in all of our ways. And it says when we do acknowledge God in all of our ways, that he directs our paths. I can't think of anyone better to be directing my path, but if you know that God is directing your path, then the way that you walk is more confident. The way that you operate, the way that you plan is with the understanding that God is always able to change your plan. God is sovereign, and you know that if you get delayed in the process of getting to one meeting, that God has a purpose for the delay. If God has changed a project as inconvenient as it might be, God is keeping you from something or bringing you to something that whatever your plans were was going to interfere with, and God knows better. So you simply have to trust him and say, not my will, but thy will be done, O Lord, just as Jesus Christ said before he went to Calvary, right? We have to learn how to write things down. And this is one of the things that I really want to encourage you to do as we approach the new year, as we approach 2017, is write your goals down. And your goals are those things God has placed on your heart. If you've been studying God's word, if you delight in God's word, 
then it says that God is going to give you the desires of your heart, meaning God is going to give you a knowledge of what to desire that is in agreement with his purpose, your life, and what allows patience to be strengthened in our life is when we take the time to write down what God has placed on our heart, that we can come in agreement with him, that this is his purpose in our life because the desire came from him to do X, Y, or Z in 2017. And we take the time to write down the goal. But in addition to writing down the goal, we also have the discipline to write down on side of the goal the objective. And the objective is going to be what are we going to do in order to achieve the goal. One of the things that Christians are guilty of is talking too much. <laughs> Just talking. Talking it and talking and talking and getting paid to talk sometimes. And behind our words, if we really believe what we say, there's got to be some action. And it is fine to write down goals for the new year. But if you don't have a corresponding action and objective to write on side of your goal to say, all right, my goal is to achieve X, Y, and Z. But in order to achieve X, Y, and Z, my objective is to do A, B, and C. I'm going to do 10 push-ups a day in order to stronger biceps. My goal is to get stronger biceps, so I'm going to do 10 push-ups a day, right? Whatever it is you say you're going to do, whatever it is you say your goal is to get fit or to be more disciplined with your money or to be more disciplined with your eating habits or to be more disciplined about making time for God in prayer and fasting and study of the word and fellowship with like-minded believers and helping out the poor and doing good deeds, whatever it is God has given you to do, write it down. And then write down the objective of how are you going to achieve that goal? What are you going to do to go on side of what you say you want? See, we as people have the challenge of always reconciling what we say we believe with what we actually demonstrate we believe with our actions. If you say something is important, it is necessary and required for you to provide the commensurate action that corresponds with what you say you believe. Look what it says here in Habakkuk 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, write the vision. And make it plain upon tables, that they may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. See where it says, wait for it, <laughs> because it will surely come. It will not tarry. See, when God gives you a vision, God gives you a desire. 
Rest assured, it's going to come to pass. But you have to believe. And part of your believing action is making it plain upon tables. That, in plain English, means write it down. Back then, they had to carve it in the stone. <laughs> All you got to do is take out your phone or your computer or your laptop and type it up. Grab a pen or a pencil. Write it down somewhere. I know it's always a joy to me when I come across old goals lists and objectives on side of the goals and I see how much God has accomplished in a year's time, some sometimes in five years' time, sometimes in ten years' time. All depends on whether they're short-term, mid-range, or long-term goals that God has placed on my heart. And I can see how God is faithful, how the desires came from God and How I know they came from God is that he fulfilled those desires in the appointed time. But it did not change the fact that I had those desires recorded somewhere. I had them written down somewhere. And then I had corresponding action that went along with those lofty goals. My to-do list. What I was going to do in order to participate actively in what God said he wanted to achieve through me in my life. And because God is sovereign, his time is perfect. Things will be accomplished exactly when he needs them to be accomplished. So just because God gave us a desire to do X, Y, and Z, it does not mean that X, Y, and Z is going to happen according to our timeline. What it what it does guarantee, though, is that if God promised it, it will come to fruition. But you have to believe so that no matter how long it takes, you are committing to the commensurate action that is required for you to perform until that thing comes to pass, until God fully delivers on what he said is available to you. And we're not God, (laughs) so we don't know how long it's going to take. We know that the work that God starts, God finishes. And and God has appointed you to perform a work. doesn't matter if that work takes one year, three years, five years, seven years, ten years. That work is getting done. It could be 15 years. <laughs> but if God gave it to you to accomplish, then you have to patiently endure all that occurs over that period of time to get you to where God promised you could be. But if you don't believe, if you doubt, if you live in worry and fear, and you fail to write the vision, 
and you fail to make it plain upon tables so that those who see can read it and run and follow the vision, understanding that the vision is for an appointed time, but until then, they need to know what they're working toward so that at the end, the faithfulness of God can speak and God can be glorified. And you know that God's will is going to be fulfilled. God cannot lie. And although it's going to take some time, God says wait for it because it's definitely going to happen. And he's going to make this happen in its appointed time. So you got to trust God. And I want to encourage you once again to understand that the promise of God is just that. It's a holy promise. Bearish you and cause you to, to agree to do something that simply can't be done. He's telling you, I've placed the power for you to do it within you so that everything you can't do, after you're doing, done doing everything you can do, the Holy Spirit is going to help you do the things you can't do. <laughs> and that's where God gets glory because when it gets done, everybody knows God did it. I know that God is thrilled many of the things that I've trusted him to use me to do because I've learned not to panic. I've learned to be patient. I've learned that a promise from God is a promise from God and that I have to let God be my strong tower. I have to let God be my refuge, and I have to reject the strongholds of doubt, worry, fear, and unbelief so that the purposes of God can be fulfilled in my life. And I want to encourage you to allow the purposes of God to be fulfilled in your life by walking in patience, purpose, and promise and embracing the strong tower of God as your refuge, allowing faith, confidence, and trust in God to be your normal way of operating so that you can reject the strongholds of doubt, worry, fear, and unbelief and know that God's holy promise to you will be fulfilled. God keeps his promises so you can patiently trust in him and know that all that he's placed within you to do is going to be accomplished. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this evening. I thank you for you having a complete and perfect work in your people today. I thank you for elevating them and promoting them as you see fit and giving them a clear vision of what it is you have for them to accomplish for you in your kingdom. Give them the wisdom and the desire to write it down, not simply what they wish to accomplish that you placed on our heart, but give them the what to do. Give them the directives, the direction of how are they going to achieve those goals by 
having the wisdom to write on side of the goal what their objective is that is going to allow them to accomplish the desire you've placed on their heart. Strengthen them with discipline to work through the hard times, to put forth the effort when things are challenging, to get past negative people and naysayers, to have the wisdom to share only with those that you lead them to share with. Father, allow us to embrace your purpose and your promise in our life so that we can operate in power and worship you in spirit and worship you in truth. I thank you for this right now. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. And as always, from the Spirit Alive Network with Bishop Sherlyn Cook and Tell It Tuesdays with your host, Lester Carver, be ye transformed.